You're listening to the Calm and Cozy Podcast. Practical advice for insomniacs, bedtime thinkers, and people who just need to calm the F down. I'm Beth Wyatt, your insomnia and stress management coach. I'm also an artist, avid crocheter, expert napper, and still waiting for chocolate and peanut butter to finally admit they have feelings for each other and just get together already. This episode is brought to you by my free mini e-course, Peaceful Evening Rituals for Better Sleep and More Zen. You can download it by going to bethwyattcoaching.com and clicking on the freebies link. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about insomnia, the different types, and how to tell if you're an insomniac. The second title of this episode is, Insomnia is Cool Until You Actually Have It. Insomnia is a word that gets thrown around a lot. According to the world of Instagram hashtags, the definition of an insomniac is a teenager who takes selfies in low lighting on or near a bed. It doesn't appear to actually have anything to do with struggling to fall asleep. I'm sure you've heard the term, sleep is for the weak. Try hashtagging that one and you'll find over 178,000 posts of various smiling faces giving peace signs. Who knew being sleep-deprived could be so joyous? There seems to be a theme with these kind of self-proclaimed insomniacs. None of them appear to actually ever go to bed. Now, I'm not a sleep doctor or a scholar, but if you're never lying down in your bed, closing your eyes and attempting to fall asleep, that's not insomnia. That's just staying awake. All sarcasm aside, Someone who is struggling with insomnia won't be bragging about it with a selfie or a cute quote on a t-shirt. It's likely a very troubling issue, and they've been desperate to find a solution for some time. Be careful not to confuse being a night owl with having a debilitating sleep disorder. They are two completely different things. One is a voluntary act of putting off going to bed, and the other is desperately wanting and needing to sleep but not being able to. All sarcasm back on again. I always wonder why so many people who claim to be insomniacs would be proud of the label, as if we should all be so jealous of their questionable immune health and dark under-eye circles. Oh, you're one of those people who sleeps? It must be nice being able to function daily. Not sleeping appears to be a sign of being cool, unless you're actually trying to sleep and you can't. Then it becomes what it really is less of a badge of honor, and more of a serious health concern. A lack of sleep can put you at risk of chronic conditions such as cardiovascular issues, high blood pressure, and diabetes. People who don't get enough sleep are moodier and they have a hard time controlling their emotions. Sleep deprivation can also contribute to weight gain, depression, and anxiety, just to name a few. It's tough getting through a busy day of work when you've slept poorly the night before. Now try doing that after a whole week of not sleeping. You'll have a hard time staying awake in meetings, concentrating, communicating, or focusing on any task besides planning your escape to the ladies' room and figuring out how to take a quick nap in the stall without getting your skirt wet. There's a great story that illustrates just how nutty things get when you haven't slept. There was a DJ who publicly went without sleep for days. His name was Peter Tripp. And in 1959, as part of a publicity stunt and charity drive, he declared he was going to sit out at a booth in Times Square and stay awake for 200 hours. 
Knowing the stunt would take stimulants to stay awake, and knowing it would likely be dangerous, the radio station brought in sleep researchers to monitor him and to keep him awake. For the first half of the ordeal, Peter was able to keep himself together for the radio show, but off the air, he was a mess. After 100 hours of being awake, Peter was unable to complete simple math problems or recite the alphabet. After 120 hours, he started hallucinating, seeing flames bursting out of a hotel dresser and believing he was being pranked. At one point, he thought the sleep researchers were conspiring against him, trying to frame him for a crime. When a doctor finally approached him to take his vitals, he thought it was an undertaker coming to bury him. During long periods of sleep deprivation, the brain begins going into REM sleep cycles while you're still awake. So if you're not hallucinating, congratulations, you're still doing okay. My point is, sleep is amazing. So if you're one of those people who likes to brag about how little you sleep, just stop it. Nobody's impressed. Let's get back to insomnia. The definition of insomnia is difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep. I will probably make a whole podcast based on this definition, but for now, let me just say the definition is missing a key ingredient. The struggle. An insomniac has difficulty falling asleep, and then the stress of not sleeping escalates the problem. To give you an example, a person who can't fall asleep who lies there quietly until they finally do doesn't have insomnia. A person who can't fall asleep so they start to worry about how tired they're going to be tomorrow, which gets their heart thumping and then their mind racing about all the reasons this is terrible, they have insomnia. You see the difference? There's an inner struggle that accompanies and worsens the problem of not sleeping. I believe the definition of insomnia Missing that core component is part of the reason why insomniacs still suffer. They've been treating only half of the problem. My sleep over the past several years was okay at best. I was what I call a bedtime thinker. No matter how tired I was, the moment my head hit the pillow, I was plagued with racing thoughts and anxiety. And when I think about it now, it kind of makes sense. I've never been an anxious person. I'm pretty laid back, sometimes to a fault. The world could be blowing up all around me, and I would have to wait until my smoothie was finished before calling for help. And even then, I'd probably be standing off to the side, trying to make a game of it just to loosen up the crowd. The everyday stresses of life had to show themselves somehow. So when the lights went out and I was alone in the dark, that's when the worry started. I never considered myself to be an insomniac, Not the definition I'm talking about anyway. Sure, I had a hard time falling asleep, but it wasn't the lack of sleep that bothered me. It was the racing thoughts and worries. There are two types of insomnia, primary and secondary. Primary insomnia, I would define it by saying that there's really no reason for your sleeplessness. You have a hard time falling asleep, and outside of maybe an overactive brain, you can't explain why. If you can clearly name the reason why you're having trouble sleeping, like medication or a heart condition or an unhealthy habit you're not ready to let go of, it's most likely secondary. I spoke to a friend today who says she has trouble falling back asleep if she wakes up in the middle of the night and she knows it's caused by menopausal hot flashes. She knows the cause of her sleeplessness, so probably secondary insomnia. I work mostly with women who have primary insomnia. I'm a coach, not a doctor, 
So if you come to me asking for help with a sleep disorder that's caused by a health condition, I do believe I can help you find relief, but your doctor should be the person you speak to first. I often get asked questions that doctors should be answering. My answer is always the same. You should talk to your doctor about that. I met my cousin for dinner a few weeks ago, and he couldn't wait to ask me why, after returning from a recent trip out of the country, he developed some sort of sleep apnea. I laughed at him, and I shrugged my shoulders, and I said, I'm not a doctor, I'm a coach, but good luck with that. For the record, I was concerned. I just didn't have an answer for him, because I'm not a doctor, but I'm also not a jerk. If you have a job that keeps you awake for ungodly amounts of time and you ask me for a solution, I will most likely tell you the only solution is to get a new job. I'm personally not a fan of jobs that require people to postpone sleep, but then expect them to over-deliver on their tasks like nothing has changed. I had a conversation with a flight attendant recently who told me she commonly goes days without sleep because of her shifts, but then she's expected to show up all bright-eyed and friendly I'm ready to work in the morning as if everything's fine. If I had to work her job after days of not sleeping, videos of me would be going viral all over the internet. You have two legs, sir. Get your own friggin' pretzels. Oh, you want sparkling water? And I gave you bottled water? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. Please don't tell my boss. <laughs> Can I have a hug? Sleep shouldn't be optional in the workplace. I'm in agreement with companies like Google who install napping pods in their office buildings so their employees can recharge with power naps. Unfortunately, there is no magic pill for shift work besides not working shifts. My retired firefighter spouse will tell you that you do eventually get used to it. So speak to your doctor and then perhaps my spouse and good luck with that. There are three other types of insomnia, transient, chronic, and acute all measured by the length of time you have the insomnia for. Transient insomnia lasts a few days to a week, and it's brought on by short-term stress, like worrying about a future event or a job interview or a nagging issue such as a relationship problem, a short-term illness, jet lag, sleeping in a new place like a hotel or a brothel, excitement about an upcoming holiday, or just worrying that Claire and Jamie from Outlander will never get back together. And if they do, will they still have that special connection after 20 years apart? Will they have moved on with other people? There are just so many questions. If you're experiencing transient insomnia, don't worry. All the effects are short-term, so you should return to your normal sleep once they've passed. The best thing to do with transient insomnia is to keep a calm, steady sleep routine. And then try not to worry about getting to sleep. It's often the worry of trying to get to sleep that gets in the way of the sleep. Acute or short-term insomnia is similar to transient insomnia, but it can last for several weeks. This can be caused by a longer illness or stress caused by a recurring problem. While the causes are more severe than with transient insomnia, they're still fairly short-term, so your problems should disappear in good time. The best thing you can do if you're suffering with short-term insomnia is to maintain healthy sleep hygiene and a steady sleep schedule. You can do this by avoiding caffeine in the afternoon, avoiding big meals before bed, and adopting a peaceful evening ritual so your body and your brain can make a natural transition from go-go-go mode into rest mode. Chronic insomnia is long-term insomnia and can last for months or even years. It's estimated that 1 in 10 people suffer with chronic insomnia. 
Common causes of chronic insomnia include stress, a demanding travel or work schedule, poor sleep habits such as erratic bedtime schedules, taking long naps during the day, engaging in stimulating activities before bed, an uncomfortable sleep environment, and blue light emitted from smartphones, televisions, tablets, and computers. Chronic insomnia can also be caused by post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. Many prescription drugs can interfere with sleep, as well as several medical conditions and sleep disorders. Sleep apnea and restless leg syndrome are a few. Is your sleep issue insomnia? Do you have difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep? And do you recognize the struggle in the way that you deal with your sleeplessness? Is the inability to fall asleep causing you to feel restless and anxious and pushing sleep even further away? If so, you most likely have insomnia. Are you experiencing racing thoughts, worries, restlessness, and having a hard time falling asleep because your brain just won't shut off? You could be what I call a bedtime thinker. That's not a medical term or a technical term. It's just a bath term. I didn't have the stress about not sleeping like an insomniac has, but that doesn't make it any less serious. If you're not sleeping well because of an inability to calm your mind, you're in the right place. If you experience anxiety and racing thoughts at night and it's keeping you from getting the deep restorative sleep you need, you are my people. I've made this podcast for you and I'm excited to share everything I know and I'm constantly learning with you. I have free sleep resources to share with you at my website, bethwyattcoaching.com. Go to the freebies page and sign up to receive them in your inbox. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Sleep Coach Beth. Let's get a conversation going. There aren't enough people out there talking about sleep. Let's talk about sleep and why we aren't sleeping and what we're going to do about it. My next episode will begin a five-part series on how to get relief from insomnia and bedtime anxiety. No prescriptions or gimmicks needed. I can't wait to get started. So until then, my friends, sleep well and stay cozy.